0: Hebrews 8, the high priest of the new covenant. Now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus had received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another, but God found fault with the people and said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord." This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbours or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear.
1: Thanks, Izzy. Good morning to you all. Um, as we come to God's word, let's pray for his help this morning. Psalm 119 says, Open my eyes, that I may see wonderful things... In your law. I really pray that for us this morning that you would open our eyes, that we would delight in your law, that we would delight in you, that we would know you more clearly, you would reveal yourself to us, and we would rejoice in the forgiveness that comes from Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well one of the things um, that being made in the image of God means is that we are creative beings. Our creative capacity of course is nothing compared to that of God. But people are continually trying to develop and improve on what we have. Uh, So much so that the things of yesterday become outdated very quickly. Here's a few examples of the things of yesterday. I think Jim might be able to relate to, to this one. Um, Some may prefer the old, but um, I guess the new is meant to be better. Back to school. Changes in how we uh, type. Remember those phones on the left? And televisions. Um, now the thing is, um, we become so used to the new thing that we forget just how amazing the first thing was um, when it first came along. Now you compare a, a tiny black and white TV screen like we have there um, behind me and compare it with uh, a massive colour flat screen TV with surround sound and um, it looks uh, slightly ridiculous. But some of you may be old enough to remember TV screens like that. Um, and the amazing privilege of that first time being able to see... For yourself, something was taking place miles away. Some of you may remember the coronation of Queen Elizabeth, um, seen by two million households throughout the country. An amazing first-time event. Well, this morning we're looking at the new covenant and why it was better than the, the old covenant. But what we mustn't forget is that the old covenant was actually a good Covenant. Before we come on to that, let's do a quick recap of uh, what we've been looking at so far in the book of uh, Hebrews. Because uh, one of the key themes is that Jesus is greater. Remember these things we've looked at? Jesus is greater than the angels. They are heavenly beings. But Jesus is the Son of God. He's divine. He's greater than Moses. Moses uh, brought God's people out of slavery in Egypt. But Jesus brought them out of slavery to sin. He brings them into the eternal rest. The priests who had to offer sacrifices uh, not just for the sins of the people, but they had to offer them for themselves as well, because they were they were sinners. Whereas Jesus was sinless. And the sacrifices which we'll come on to, to next week. But well, in our passage this morning, we're told that as high priest, Jesus is also the mediator of a superior covenant. Verse six. But before we get any further, it might be helpful to explain um, what we mean by a covenant. Because it's a, it's a strange word, isn't it? And unless you, um, you're a lawyer like, uh, like John, um, it's probably not going to be part of your everyday vocabulary. So what is a covenant? Well, simply put, it's an agreement between two parties in which both parties promise to keep their obligations one covenant you may be familiar with is the covenant of marriage in a marriage service both the bride and the groom make promises to each other about how they will love each other and they will make the following promise I take you to be my wife or husband to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse for richer, for poorer in sickness and in health to love and to cherish till death us to part according to God's holy law. And they exchange rings as a sign, as a symbol of that covenant promise that they have made. They, they do that with this promise. They say, I give you this ring as a sign of our marriage. With my body, I honor you. All that I am, I give to you. And all that I have, I share with you within the love of God, Father, Son, and the holy spirit and the trouble is of course that we live at a time when covenants when contracts when promises are easily broken when someone says i give you my word it's no longer something that can necessarily be relied upon as someone once said far too often the best thing i can have in my hand when someone makes a promise is a really big broom so that I can sweep up the broken pieces. So what was different about the covenant in the Bible that's being referred to in this passage? Well, it was an agreement, an agreement between God and his people under which God promised to be their God, to look after them, to provide for them, to protect them. And they promised to be his people which meant worshipping him, trusting him, obeying him. Now the Bible is divided into two sections, the Old Testament and the the New Testament. But another word for testament is covenant. So it's the Old Covenant and it's the New Covenant. And although we're going to be focusing on the New Covenant this morning, we mustn't forget that the Old Covenant was a wonderful thing. It was a great privilege to be a, a part of. We first read about this covenant in the book of Exodus. Um, God has rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. He's brought them to, to Mount Sinai. And uh, this is what we read in chapter 19. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant and out of all nations you will be my treasured possession although the whole earth is mine you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation it's a wonderful thing to be God's treasured possession but what we see here is that this is God's covenant that he has established with his people this is not like a covenant between two human parties. We, we cannot claim to be on an equal footing with God. You don't negotiate a covenant with God as you might with another a human being. You don't negotiate how much of a commitment you are willing to offer God. You know, I'll give him this much of my life, but you know, the rest I will somehow keep for myself. Even though sometimes we may find ourselves doing that. God made us. He knows what is best for us. And so he sets the terms. Otherwise it would be like a a three-year-old child trying to negotiate their bedtime with their parents, which I'm sure many of you have been experienced. God comes to us and offers us a covenant relationship on terms that he has decided. And his people have a decision to accept those terms or not. And if they do, it means trusting that those obligations that God has set for them are actually the best things they could do. God also sets the terms for himself. And again, we shouldn't forget what a great thing it is to enter into a covenant with a God who has the power, who has the will to keep those covenant promises. Last term, you may recall, we looked at the story of Abraham and the promises that God made to Abraham. Promises that God kept that he fulfilled in Jesus Christ so what went wrong with the old covenant then well it wasn't anything on God's part he kept his side of the the covenant But if you go back to Hebrews 8 you've got that passage open in front of you in verse 9 it says that the people of Israel and Judah with whom God made that first covenant did not remain faithful to his covenant, to God's covenant and it's not that they they broke it once they had a momentary lapse in their behaviour but that they were consistently unfaithful they broke it time after time and they broke it by following other gods following other idols, rejecting God and his ways thinking they knew better They said they would worship one God, they said they would serve him only, but they tried to worship other gods and many gods. It was like a husband making those promises to his wife and then becoming a serial adulterer. And the result of Israel breaking the covenant was, as God says in verse 9, I turned away from them. I turned away from them. But fortunately that wasn't the end of the covenant because although the old covenant was a good thing even if Israel failed to keep it the new covenant was far better but how? how is the new covenant better than the old covenant? well have a look at verse 6 it says there the covenant of which uh, Jesus is mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises Which, of course, begs the question, what what are these better promises in which uh, it is established? Well, God promised many hundreds of years um, before the arrival of Jesus that he would one day enter into a covenant with his people. And the quotes here in in verses 7 to 12 are quotes from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet who prophesied around 630 BC to, to 590 BC. And by that stage, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel was already in exile. They were in Assyria. Um, But this warning was to the remnant of God's people in the southern kingdom of Judah. It was a warning about their disobedience and the threat of exile to Babylon, who had grown to be a major power. And Jeremiah was particularly critical of the leaders who had failed to give true teaching, um, according to the covenant. But he also warns the people and he moves from warning in the latter part of the book to saying that God's punishment will now be inevitable. It is coming. But his prophecy includes a note of hope. That despite their breaking of the covenant despite the fact they will be exiled God would one day have mercy on them. He would establish a new covenant with them. So what will this new covenant look like? What does God promise in the new covenant? Well, three things. Firstly, he promises to change their hearts. Have a look at verse 10. He says, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now there's nothing new in that second part of the verse, that is the original covenant. I will be their God, they will be my people. But what is new is how God will help his people keep the covenant. He no longer gives instructions and expects the people to keep them in their own strength, which, let's face it, isn't very strong. It's no longer about an outward compliance with his instructions, It's about a change in their desire, a change in their motivation. God will give them a love for him and his laws. He will give them a desire to keep them. And the image he gives here is of God writing, permanently engraving his laws on their hearts that can never be removed. How will he do this? Let's turn to another prophet, Ezekiel, who succeeded Jeremiah. And um, in chapter 36 of the book of Ezekiel, God says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God the way he will do it will be through the work of the Holy Spirit the Bible tells us that when we become a Christian we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit he comes to dwell within us and he not only opens our our blind eyes to make us see our need for Jesus he's the one who helps us to live a life that pleases him He's the one who helps us to grow in our faith in him. And ultimately, helps us to become more like him. Which should be the goal that we all have if we are Christians here this morning. In other words, having set the conditions of the covenant, God will enable us to fulfill them. And he does that by giving us an irresistible desire in our hearts. Imagine it this way. Someone gives you... Um, tickets for the World Cup final in Moscow, in which England are playing Belgium, maybe France, and he says, you just need to sort out your travel, get yourself there, here are the tickets. trouble is, you're not really a great fan of football, um, you know, maybe rugby is more your game, and therefore to spend a whole lot of money and effort to get there just doesn't really seem worth it to you. But this person helps you understand the, uh, the finer sides of the game of football, uh, the tactics, so the strategy, uh, the beauty. And uh, introduces you to some of the players and you begin to see that be- football really is a beautiful game. Now, those World Cup final tickets, which um, were actually nothing particularly interesting to you, suddenly have a different value. Suddenly, you're going to do whatever it takes to get to that final. This is an amazing thing that you have been given. Now do you see how that relates to God and what he's done for us in the new covenant? He hasn't just given us something. He hasn't just given us laws and said obey them. He's put them in our mind and ridden them in our our hearts so that we now delight in them. I've been doing um, a Bible in a year reading program uh, which each day is a passage from the, uh, the Gospels, from the, the Epistles, um, from the Psalms, and from um, the Old Testament. And I want to Psalm 119, um, which if you know, 100, Psalm 119 is broken down into 22 sections, each which start with the uh, letter of the, the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, I've got to about number 16, I think. And um, the thing is, each one says pretty much the same thing in a different way. And um, after a while. You realize that it's saying, your word is amazing, um, and I love it. Help me to obey it. And after 16 days, you may think, well, okay, I think I've got that now. Um, But what keeps you reading is that the genuine passion that the psalmist has for God's word, the number of different ways he tries to express that, God has changed his heart. He loves God's law. He wants to obey it. Well, the second promise is that God promises a personal relationship. He says, no longer will they teach their neighbors or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. Now, there was a sense in which the people of God under the old covenant knew God. He had chosen to reveal himself to them to them particularly as a nation, rather than the other nations. Um, But time after time, they forgot him. We're told that in Judges, um, the book of Judges, after the generation that entered the promised land died out, we're told there, it says, there arose another generation who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Later on, the prophet Hosea lamented the fact that he says there was no knowledge of God in the land. What God promises under the new covenant is that as they receive a new heart, his people will also know him. The ability and desire that God gives his people to obey his laws goes hand in hand with a greater knowledge of him and a greater love for him he's revealing himself through his word and what happens under the new covenant is that God reveals himself more clearly and he allows people to get to know him more deeply how does he do that? well, remember those opening verses of Hebrews we looked at um, a few weeks back now as we started this series Hebrews chapter 1 The opening verses were, In the past, (coughs) God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. God revealed himself fully through his Son, who came to earth as a human being. He also revealed himself through the Holy Spirit, Who points us to Jesus. So knowing God is not just about knowing about Him. It is knowing Him, knowing Him personally. And it's the Holy Spirit who makes Him real to us. We cannot truly get to know someone unless they are willing to reveal themselves to us. I know I've used a few illustrations already from uh, the TV series, The Crown. But the thing I find fascinating about it is that even though the Queen has reigned over our country for 65 years we still don't really know her, do we? And although it's difficult to know how much is true and uh, separating fact from fiction in that series it does give us a glimpse of what she's really like beneath um, the surface, behind the scenes. And as we get to know God through Jesus we see that he is an amazing God. But he's a God of love and mercy, of sacrifice. All those things we talked about earlier on. He's one who's worth trusting, who is worth obeying. God promises a personal relationship. And thirdly, God promises complete forgiveness. Verse 12 says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The new covenant is only possible because sin has been dealt with. It is sin that prevented us from following God's commands in the first place, from having a relationship with God. And so God had to deal with sin. And he did that through the cross. Whilst the old covenant provided sacrifices for sin, these could not take away sin. They were unable to secure our redemption. The great promise of the new covenant is that complete forgiveness of sin is possible. And next week we'll look at that, that sacrifice in more detail. But at the Last Supper, which we'll celebrate later, Jesus took the cup. And he said, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The reason we can trust that God will keep his promises in the covenant. Is that they were sealed by the blood of Christ. There's no greater seal than that. So if the new covenant is better, then what are the implications for us today from that? But well, what these verses do here, these three key things I've just pulled out, are really spell out the gospel. Um They help us see where we may have misunderstood the whole meaning of Christianity. Because if we think Christianity is about how well we can keep a set of rules, how often we come to church, how much good we do, then we've got it all wrong. These verses tell us that Christianity is about a relationship with God. And that relationship is only possible because of the forgiveness of sins that Jesus made made possible. And because God has changed our hearts to want to live out that relationship on a daily basis. Through an inner trust in God, a desire to please him by following his instructions. Another word for that is repentance. It's repentance and trust. And the question we then need to ask ourselves is, well, have we experienced a change in our hearts? Have we experienced that change so we love God and we delight in His Word and in His instructions for us? And if not, then then pray for that. Then just say, "Well, that would be nice if one day that, that that happened to me. If that just came along." Pray for it, desire it, ask, and you shall receive. Jesus says, "Pray for that change in your heart." if you have experienced that change if you do enjoy a relationship with God then be grateful to God for that because he has given it to you out of his grace you have not deserved it but God has given it to you anyway don't ever be tempted to be proud don't ever be tempted to look down on those who do not yet know God but instead pray for them more fervently that they too may enjoy it Thirdly, guard your new heart. It is easy to put on a front, to pretend to others that things are okay in your relationship with God. But you can't deceive God. He sees into our hearts. He knows what we're thinking. He knows the, the motives for our actions, even if they look good on the outside. Ask for his strength to guard your heart so that you continue to delight in him. So that you continue to live in a way in which your behavior is the overflow of your heart. And finally, before we finish, and before we take communion together, let me emphasize one final aspect of the new covenant. And that is its corporate nature. At the Last Supper, as I said, Jesus said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins the many is the church the new Israel in the new covenant Christ has called us to be his people not just individuals he's called us to be his people a body, a bride and so if we've made a covenant with God then we are part of a covenant community And just as we agree individually with God how we should live out our faith, so we should agree corporately how we have to live out our faith as a church. And that is what membership is about. Promising to strive to grow in grace, to grow in the knowledge of Christ ourselves, but also promising to help others grow in their faith as we encourage them and pray for them. So it's quite appropriate before we come to the Lord's table to, um, to welcome some new members into membership. It's my great privilege to be able to do that uh, this morning. So I'm going to call up um, those people who are new, um, who are coming into membership this morning, if you'd like to, to come up to, to the front. Um, it's Claire, Dave and Anna, the other Dave, Lila, Sarah. If, you're all, if you'd like to come up to the front, and we're going to welcome you. Into membership, please come and stand um, up the front here with me. Now I've got some verses which I'm going to give you all before we uh, ask you to make some promises, and then I'm going to ask the church to make some promises to commit themselves to, to you all as well. So, um I've got the, uh, the verses in uh, order they come in in the Bible. So um, come as, they, uh, as they come, I'll give them to you. The first one is for, for Claire. Um, Claire, your verse is from Psalm 119, verse 33 to 35. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end give me understandings so that i may keep your law and obey it with all my heart direct me in the path of your commands for there i find delight next one's from ephesians 3 and this is for you sarah uh, ephesians 3:18 to 19 i pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the lord's holy people To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Next one's from Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. And this is uh, for Dave and Anna. You, you get a joint one, I'm afraid. So you have to share this one. It's a... <laughs> 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 this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And for Dave, this is for you from, two, uh, from Colossians chapter 2, 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And lastly, but not least for you, Lila, this is from James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Mm-hmm. Well, can I um, ask you all to please stand and I'm going to ask these uh, uh, questions to you all together and if you can reply after me, uh, we, we do. Um, and then I'll ask a question to, to the church. So, Claire, Sarah, Dave, Anna, Dave, and Lila, do you affirm your faith in the one God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and confess in you Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? We do. And by the help of the Holy Spirit, do you commit to share in the life, work, and witness of this church and show Christian love and concern to other members of the church family and the wider community?
0: We
1: do. and to the church let me ask you this question do you promise to love, encourage, pray for and care for Claire, Sarah, Dave, Anna Dave and Lila we do. in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ on behalf of this fellowship I welcome you all into to membership bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you let's pray for them now as you remain standing Gracious God, we, we thank you, as we've heard this morning, for your grace to each one of us. And we thank you that you've shown that to each one of these uh, people here this morning. Thank you for calling them into your kingdom. Thank you for bringing them to this church. And thank you for that different journey of faith that each one of them will have been on. But thank you for bringing them to this point where they want to, to grow in their faith and commit themselves to this local church. So we pray now that you would pour out your spirit on them, that you would give them a love for your word, you would empower them for service, you would strengthen them for witness, lavish your gifts of grace and the fruit of your spirit upon them, that they may live to serve and praise you and grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.